I want to begin by thanking each of you uh, for the prayers uh, for Jennifer and I and the children, and especially for Jennifer's uh, father, uh, John, who is at home uh, recovering. Uh, well, um, as of uh, yesterday, as many of you know, um, this Wednesday morning, Jennifer called me, um, of course, was very upset. Her father had experienced a collapsed lung, and after getting the lung reinflated, they had found um, a pretty large clot in his heart that had kind of moved into his lung, and we were off uh, from Birmingham to Little Rock, Arkansas in uh, just a split uh, second, it felt like. So thank you for your prayers. He is um, at home. He's doing well, and praise God, even though they were on their way to visit us from Oklahoma here in Birmingham, um, this collapsed lung um, exposed this clot that would, in fact, have actually killed him at some point. So thank you for your prayers. In his 1979 album, Slow Train Coming, Bob Dylan wrote these words, You may be a businessman or some high-degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Dylan's words here ring so very true, don't they? We as human beings are going to be serving somebody in this life or something in this life. We're going to be serving someone or something. And Holy Scripture tells us that we, in fact, cannot serve two masters. These words come from our Lord. For you will end up loving one and despising the other. And when it comes to God or money, we must choose. Brothers and sisters, we live in a culture that is obsessed with money. Do we not? We do. Obsessed with money. Getting money at all cost. Getting money at all cost. We saw in the book of Amos, even God's people back then were wanting to kind of forego the Sabbath so that they could sell that grain, not having to give it away. We're going to have to serve somebody. And too often, brothers and sisters, what we are serving is mammon. What we are serving is mammon. We have this parable. The parable of the dishonest manager, a historically um, difficult parable to interpret. This is one of those Sundays um, that the rector of the parish usually tries to call in sick and make the associate preach on these passages. They're a little bit difficult, would you say? We have this difficult parable that ends with that truth that you cannot serve God and money. But we have here this dishonest manager. Our text says that Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. 
I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write down 50. And he said to another, and how much did you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write down 80. And then in this phrase, within this parable, we have this odd phrase. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So, brothers and sisters, what's the alternative for us as Christians when it comes to money? We know that we're not called um, to serve money. I would say, brothers and sisters, that we are called to use money to serve the kingdom. To use money to serve the kingdom. And how difficult that is in a culture that says, you need more, you need it now, you need much more, and actually you needed it yesterday. You need money to acquire things, more things and more things, and if you can just get this, that, or the other, you'll be happy. You'll be content, finally. And we know that this creates in us this striving. Have we not felt this striving to pursue money at all costs? And then finding at the end of the day we are bankrupt spiritually. Well, what's going on here with this dishonest manager and him going back to these debtors of his master and saying, look, don't write the bill for 100, write it for 50. Don't write the bill for 100, write it for 80. What is going on here? Well, it seems that in this context, many of those listening to this parable, specifically Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees, by the way, who are also listening, for Luke goes on later outside of our text, just a few verses outside, to say that the Pharisees were lovers of money, and they had heard all these things. So what, in fact, did the dishonest manager do? Well, we know that tax collectors, for instance, in this day, would have made their money by um, inflating prices, right? Making things more costly for those who are going to be indebted to the government or to the master, and then they would take the top off, right? They would take their 20 or 30 or 50 percent. They would charge more. So what does this dishonest manager do? We know, first of all, that he was dishonest, for the master says that you've been accused of doing this, and he is going to end up, of course, firing him. You can no longer be the manager. And what this manager did is very surprising. You see, when he sat across the table with those debtors, coming to collect this debt, he did again something that's so interesting. He didn't say, you owe $100, give me $100. No, he, he cut it down. What a lot of commentators and scholars tell us is that what he's doing is he's actually giving up what he was charging in advance or charging more so that he could take. He was giving that up to allow his master to have his account settled. He was being shrewd. He was being wily. He was, he was being wise in this moment. But he was doing it not just out of um, charity, we might say. He was doing it because he knew what? He knew that if he didn't do this, that he would have to either beg or dig ditches, and he didn't want to do one or the other. So he was shrewd. But then we have another interesting phrase here, 
very hard phrase. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the, son, than the sons of light. If you've ever been uh, to Europe or been to, um, to kind of the pubs there in Europe, specifically uh, the UK, you'll know that, and it actually it comes over here into the United States, I think, some. You can go into a pub or even a bar, and every now and then you might get someone uh, who says, of course, you know what, uh, all, the, the drinks are on me, everything is on the house here, I'm going to give generously to others. And we see so often that in the culture, the culture has become more generous than the church. And they've become more generous than the church with unrighteous wealth. They're shrewd, they know how to, to gain it, but they also know how to give it. And what an indictment that can be on us as Christians, who have so often, and I've been here in my life, pursued money for its own sake to give me things when in fact the world at large so, uh, so, um, so many times can be more generous with wealth than we are as Christians. So what does this master, excuse me, this manager do? Well, of course, he takes the hit, the sacrifice, to settle the account for his master, knowing that this will benefit him in the end, when we think about heads of households or ma uh, masters, those um, who are the uh, oikonomos, the, the, economic, the manager of a household, we think to the Old Testament of someone like Joseph, for instance, who was managing some unrighteous wealth, wasn't he, <laughs> for the good of those in Egypt, but also for the good of his own people who would come during a famine to be blessed by his good management of the resources that he was overseeing. So, brothers and sisters, we do not serve money. We use our wealth in the service of the kingdom. We're called to be generous. And yes, we're even to use our wealth in a way that makes friends with those outside the church. Because in doing so, we can bring those in to the church and into salvation. How many of you all in your life have had a, a debt that was canceled by a merciful merciful human being. I'm not talking about governments per se. I'm talking about a human being who canceled the debt for you. Does that not, in fact, communicate the gospel message to you in real material terms? You owe me this, but I am, in fact, not going to hold you to it. I'm going to forego this debt that you have and extend mercy and grace to you. Is this not a picture of the gospel? of the human condition, of our own salvation, the material means. So we as Christians are called again not to serve money, but to serve God and to use money to the service of His kingdom. St. Augustine wrote this about our passage. He said, why did the Lord set this before us, this parable? It is not because that servant cheated but because he exercised foresight in the future. When even a cheat is praised for his ingenuity, Christians who make no such provision will blush at this parable. I mean, this is what he added. 
Behold, the children of this age are more prudent than the children of light. Augustine goes on to say, they perpetuate frauds in order to secure their future. In what life, after all, did that steward insure himself to? What one was he going to quit when he bowed to his master's decision? He was insuring himself for a life that was going to end. Would you not insure yourself for a life eternal? Again, our wealth being utilized, being utilized generously to be an image of the gospel for others, bringing them in to the kingdom. Ephraim the Syrian wrote this, O children of Adam, buy for yourselves those things that do not pass away by means of those temporary things that are not yours. What an image of the gospel. What an image of the gospel through wealth, through money, that you and I have the ability to use our money for the service of the church and for the kingdom. The parable goes on to say, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. We see that in the world it holds true quite often. That those who are in fact dishonest in just a little bit, or who are faithful in just a little bit, in fact can be faithful in much, or on the other side can be dishonest in much. I was once told early on, um, by one of my spiritual uh, mentors in undergrad, that if you want to know the spiritual health of any given human being, look at their checkbook. Look at their checkbook. Log into their bank account. See where they spend money, on whom they spend their money, for whom they spend their money. Are we all called to live a monastic life of poverty? No. But we are called to be generous with our wealth, creating images and pictures of the gospel, of the debt that was canceled on our behalf. Verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? For no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This morning, my brothers and sisters, the question for you and for me is do we serve our money or do we serve the Lord? Are we more concerned about what our salary is going to be in this upcoming quarter or what our stocks are doing this upcoming quarter more than we're concerned about how we can utilize our wealth generously to be a blessing to others, to do as Joseph did? to create friends both in Egypt who would come in to the faith and to bless those in Israel who were coming in. I know that money is such a hot-button issue. I'm not telling you how to invest it. I'm not telling you not to invest it. I'm telling you that we are called to serve God and His kingdom first and to utilize our money and our resources to His kingdom, being not... Um, being not uh, dishonest or caring more about what we accumulate in this life. I find it fascinating that that dishonest manager wanted to do so much of this because he knew that he didn't want to dig and he wasn't going to beg and he wanted to secure for himself 
the ability to be brought into the homes of others. You remember reading that. He said he would do that to be brought into their homes. But then later, on in the text, it says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, that is worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. My mind is taken here to those people that through the use of our wealth have seen and experienced the gospel and have been brought in. And we're not just brought into their homes, but when we are in that eternal abode in this life to come, we are going to see those whom we have helped with our resources and our money who will be in that final eternal dwelling with the communion of saints, saying that the way you used your money spoke to me, and they were brought in. As we talked about this morning in Sunday school class, I want to close with this. Brothers and sisters, we live in a culture that is so self-absorbed, and money is worshipped. Scripture says that money is the root of all sorts of evils, and we worship that thing from which all sorts of evils come, and we will do anything to get more of it. Brothers and sisters, let us have a kingdom priority in this life, a kingdom priority, where we serve God alone, and our home, our salaries, our land, our vehicles, everything that we own is used for His kingdom. For throughout the New Testament, specifically in the book of Acts and into the early church, the understanding of wealth is not that you have accumulated it through your own wisdom, your own shrewdness, but actually it has been given to you on loan by God Himself to utilize for His kingdom. For everything that we have in this life is not fully ours. It's ours to steward. So I pray, brothers and sisters, that we would choose this day who we are going to serve and let us serve God and to do so with our money, being generous, knowing that in doing so we are giving a clear picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our debts have been canceled and that God has held not our sin against us. Brothers and sisters, as we come in a moment to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, to receive that grace extended to you and me, let us receive it Let us be strengthened and nourished by it. And let us walk out the back door of those nave, of this nave, out those doors, being ready and willing to serve God with all the wealth and the blessings that He has given us in this life to the glory of His name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.